It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Bo, I've realized the older I get that Seinfeld and Must See Thursday TV really has helped shape my life and, and to, to a large part, shaped this podcast. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is that Seinfeld was a, an entire series built upon just nothing. Right. But somehow in an episode of Seinfeld on Thursday night, I think it came on at the 9 o'clock hour, what they would do is they'd start off with a random topic, but then the circle, uh, it would complete a cycle where by the end of the episode, they'd bring it all in, tie it up with a knot, and it all makes sense on why they did this entire episode this way. And I think when I'm talking about motivation for this podcast, we were talking about, we are like, what are we going to do the show on? I was like, well, we, you know, we actually got a great listener email that we've been neglecting for the last three months. Cause that's right. This email is three months old and, um, it's a really good one. And essentially this question, I'm not going to use the, the person's name, but I will read it in a second. But they're, they're, they're asking, how much should you save for retirement? Cause that's ultimately what the question is in relationship to if you, if you have debt, like if you have a mortgage, if you have car payments, if you have credit cards. Are you supposed to be saving? Are you supposed so to be paying you, down debt? How do you prioritize those things? Yeah, right? how do you prioritize those type of things? So we're going to talk about that, but then that seemed like only enough for half a show. So I was trying to figure out what we were going to do the rest of the show on, and then I came across a piece that it, it really made it all feel good to me because I'm going to have to contradict one of those guys that I like um, because I think a, a lot of people who have been doing broadcasting for a while who have a big following – there obviously there's something there that drives their success. And and one of the things, you know, Clark Howard, one of the best consumer advocates you can find. I mean, the guy is going to help you maximize your travel budget. He's going to maximize how you save money on your utilities. Really good guy. Dave Ramsey. If you want to talk about Dave Ramsey, the guy's going to get you motivated to get out of debt. I mean, how many times, Bo, have we told a client, you didn't need to quit spending money. Your burn mm-hmm. rate is way you're spending way more than you should be, and they just ignore me. And then their church offers the financial peace program, and they come back in and they go, Brian Bo, I'm spending too much money. You know, like, hello, we just like, said that to you. Wait a minute, we, we've been telling you that, but it, it it shows how good he is. But I will tell you on today's show, I'm going based upon what I talk about with prioritizing paying down debt versus saving. One of the things and the examples I'm going to make is going to defy some of the things that Dave mentions. So that makes me feel bad because I don't like taking somebody who's really good at a segment and that's called, you know, debt, paying down debt is what Dave, I consider him an expert at, to contradict something he says bothers me. So I've got a way out. We're also going to cover 10 things Americans waste money on. This is something that Dave Ramsey references all the times on things that you can do in your personal life to not waste money and be better at getting out of debt. And what's really cool is that this is actually a retread of an article that was a piece that was put out by Budgets Are Sexy and Jay Money on October 13th where he used Dave Ramsey as an inspiration. So it allows me really to go full circle with it because I'm going to be able to to, to talk about prioritizing your savings as well as paying down debt um, but then I get to come back to the Dave Ramsey, which ties into to that. But then I get to come back to FinCon, 
because Jay Money was one of those celebrity guys that was at FinCon. So I've brought it just like Seinfeld would, full circle. Beautiful. I wish I had a little Seinfeld uh, theme music t- uh, queued up right now. That'd the be awesome. only problem is, is that I had to tell you why I'm doing it. They just did it naturally on, on Thursday night. So they didn't. And that probably makes it a lot better. But we're going to jump into this. This is the Money Guy Show. You can go check us out, money-guy.com. By now, hopefully, you've had a chance to go out to the website. You can see that we got some, so the blog posts rolling on. Um, so those off weeks when we're not doing a broadcast, Go check out our insights. So, and we've tried to, this is something we're doing. You know, our, if you want to be a premium member, you get access to our archives back to 2006 on the audio side of the podcast. But you know what we're going to do on the blog side? We're just going to keep it open for everybody. We've just decided we want to be a resource, get you guys to where you feel more comfortable coming out to see us. So we're not just all audio all the time. We want to be a resource in other areas. And also you probably notice on when we're talking about Twitter, we've been pushing more and more people to, to the tightwad nation. Because remember, that's a movement we're trying to do. So you, you've probably been seeing a lot more activity at tightwad nation instead of just Money Guy Podcast. So if you haven't signed up for both, please start checking out tightwad nation as well. So let's jump right in to today's topic. I first want to read the email from, from the listener because I thought it was really helpful. Plus it had, um, if I wanted to go another layer of my Seinfeld references... Listen to this and how this ties into one of our recent shows on things that you shouldn't do yourself. And I'm going to show you how my podcast listeners, as well as our podcast clients, you guys are nuts. Because listen to this. Brian slash Bo. Love your show. My wife and I listen to it while cutting firewood in the great Pacific Northwest. So a few things are amazing to me about that. One... They both listen to it. Husband and wife listen to our show together. That's how, great. How many times do we get that? Not very often. No, it's just like, my wife, no way she's listening to the podcast. She already has to live with me. The last thing she wants to do is listen to me and you drone on. Second thing that I thought was cool, what did we talk about in one of the most recent episodes on things you should pay a professional to do? Anything that involves an axe, a chainsaw, or a saw. And here we have, we, I, probably t- I hope we didn't lose them, because, I mean, here they are out there as a couple hanging out. Cutting down firewood in the great Pacific Northwest. And this ties in because we just got a listener email as well as he's a podcast client from one, of our, and I don't want to give his name. But he sent us, he said, guys, I listened to your most recent podcast, and I saved a gazillion dollars cutting down felling 15 trees in my backyard for my $450 steel chainsaw. And he even sent us a picture. And he looked like he was a, a deranged serial killer in the picture. <laughs> but it was, it was great. And it showed me that probably things that you and I might pay somebody for, some of our, our listeners might even be a little more tightwadish than we are oh, in yeah. the fact that they're doing it themselves. Um, but I'll continue on. I have not listened to all of your archives as of yet, so you may have touched on this topic, but I'm going to suggest it. The topic I was thinking of is how to or when to invest when you're in debt. I'll give you an example. My wife and I have no credit card debt, yet still owe on two vehicles and a house. The two vehicles are less than 3% interest, and the house is around the same. We have problems figuring out if we should try to save to knock out the vehicles and then put more money towards the house, or should we use time and compound interest and fund investment vehicles? If it matters, we're in our mid-30s. I'd love for you to do a show and give some insight on this. We fund a 401k to the match percentage limit, so it is obvious, but when 
Should you keep debts on the books and put your money to investments for both tax reasons and time slash compound interest reasons? I hope you do a show on this as I think it applies to many people that, that are out there in the middle. Thanks again for all that you're doing. Great question. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this actually has to be answered in several ways. I, I go back to the question I used in the opener. I think he's also asking, because if you're going to prioritize, you're trying to figure out, do you pay down debt, do you save money, you've got to figure out how to, what's that one, one of the most important concepts that a person can do with their personal finances is pay yourself first. So you've got to figure out how much should you save for retirement so you can get that part figured out and then figure out the priority for all these other items. Right. Now, remember, and I'm going to borrow a little bit from Dave Ramsey on this and the fact that I think when you're talking about saving for retirement, paying down debt, you got to do some basics first. Um, we don't talk a ton about it, but you got to have cash reserves. You know, and I think Dave says before he, he puts people on to saving and paying down debt, he puts them on a thousand dollars. You got to have a thousand dollars. That's like of cash. baby step number one. Yeah, right? that's that's like their baby step. I think that um, you know, I, I like people to have some definitely some some liquidity. Um, so that uh, the example I'm always given is the car breaks down, the hot water heater explodes, the washing machine goes out, the fridge goes out. These are things you you can't put it off. You're going to have to go get a new refrigerator. So you need to make sure you have enough money that you're not going to get sidelined and your financial future is not going to be impacted. So you got to have a little bit of the cash reserves. So we're going beyond cash reserves when I start talking about the rest of this. Because I think you do need to save 15 to 20% of your gross income. Now, what's the math of that? How, how did I come up with that number? If you go read books like The Wealthy Barber by Chilton, you know, he, he talks about 10%, and, he, and you've heard a lot of financial advisors in the past talk about 10%. And I want to tell you, because you're probably listening to me going, Brian, why are you 15 to 20 when everybody else is talking about 10? I'm going to tell you why. It's because my numbers have evolved. People in the past, when they used 10%, I think it was an easy number because people had multiple income sources in retirement. You had Social Security, you had a pension, and then you have your own personal assets to carry you through your financial independence and retirement. Well, as we all know, pensions. What are what are those? Pension. What's a pension? I mean, unless and now there's an exception, and I wanted to. That's why I tell you guys. And in, in the point when I pick on Dave in a minute, I'm going to show we have to give advice to what we think is the greatest number of people out there, and that's the limitation to giving generalized discussions on things is because and Dave has to make the same cutoff. He has to give advice on what he thinks benefits the majority of his listeners. Your specific situation might be completely different. If you're a school teacher it, working for a public school system, if you're a firefighter, if you're a police officer, if you're a government employee, you probably still will have a pension. And so 10% is going to work for you if you have a pension that's also going to supplement your Social Security. So you can go by the traditional 10% number. But the majority of my listeners, I have to believe, aren't working for the government. So that's why I tell you 15 to 20% is because the pension is probably not going to be there for you as strong. And Social Security, I don't want to scare you and tell you there's not going to be Social Security. I'm not one of those fear mongers. I do think Social Security in our, you know, in the next 10 to 20 years will get modified in some way. But I think there'll be something for all of us. Sure. But I tell you, 15 to 20% is going to give you enough money if you pay yourself first to get you through this new time that we live in where the pension is more 
of a, a benefit that you see only for a small sub-segment of the population, primarily working for the government. Um, so that that's the numbers between how much you should save. So I would tell you, credit card debts are are a big priority. You don't first try not to get in credit card debt. Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done. But for those of you, after you get your credit card in a man, manageable situation, try to get that because that's the debt that you it, it, that can really strangle you. I mean, when you're running interest rates that are over that are getting into double digit territory. It's hard to keep pace with it. I mean, if you've got a credit card with a 12% interest rate or even a 21% interest rate, obviously that's going to be a priority to get that thing paid sure. down. But if you notice, that's not the questions that were asked of us. This person doesn't have credit card debt. They got car loans, 3%, and then their house payment is very similar. So how do you prioritize? Right. I've also, in the past, now fortunately, knock on wood, both of my cars are running. So my cars are paid for. But I know what he's asking. You go buy a car these days, it is, especially in a low interest rate environment, they will offer you deals 0.9%. Yep. 1.9%, 2.9%. So when he says around 3%, that means he's probably got one of these car deals where, guys, let's face it, that's cheap money. That's really cheap money. So how do you get excited about paying down cheap money if you're not funding some of your other objectives. And that's why I, I go back to if you're funding the 15%, and part of that 15% is, and let me go ahead and prioritize that 15%, your employer match. That's a duh. That's a no-brainer. You're doing the, the employer match because that's free money. Now, this is probably a harder question to answer, but let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the credit cards with the high interest rate. And I, I think I know where Dave stands on this, but what would you say if you have a, a credit card with a high interest rate, you know, double digits versus the employer match? Well, I, and, and I, I know where you're going with that because that, that leads into my next point. Because I, let, me, let me let me take it a step further because we talked about this in pre-planning. And this is where I said I was going to contradict Dave. Is I had, now I think you do the employer match because that's 100% rate of return. So you've got to do the employer match. I think even if you have credit card debt, You've got to do the employer match. And usually it's a small percentage. It's usually three, four, or five percent you have to get it put into a plan to get the full employer, employer match. And if you think about it, if you, if you, you know, you might get a tax benefit that truthfully makes it where it's not even that big of a, an after tax impact to you whatsoever. But here's the point that I talked about in show prep that I said I was going to contradict Dave. Dave has to give advice to the biggest group of the, uh, the of his listenership. I had a person that I was personally friends with, and this is a number of years ago when we were younger, but she was in her late 20s at the time. She was an attorney doing very well on the path to obviously having a great income for the rest of her life because she was a skilled attorney. And um, But she had taken the financial peace program through her church and she was still able to make Roth contributions. And she had some credit card debt, but it was it was small credit card. I mean, and the interest rates weren't even that bad because her credit was really good. I think that the interest rates on her credit card might have even been less than the double-digit range. And, um, and I was trying to convince her that she should really do Roth IRA contributions because the, the jumps in her income, where her income was going up in batches of 15 to 20 to 25% per year, I was like, look, you're on a trajectory with your earning potential. You will only be able to do the Roth contributions for another year and a half. So to get that tax-free growth, why don't you go ahead and contribute to your Roth IRA? And she's like, no, no, 
That's not what Dave said. Dave says, before I can start any type of savings program for the future, I've got to pay off all this credit card debt completely before I jump over to the, to the saving for my retirement. And I said, I completely agree with him for the majority of the people. But I said, your window of contributing to a Roth IRA is going to completely close within the next 18 months. Why wouldn't you go ahead and try to fund two years? You could get, you know, at the time, I think it was probably $8,000. You know, if you took two years, it was around $4,000 a year. Now you could do, if you were doing this all over again, we're talking about $11,000, $5,500 a year. That's two years. That's $11,000 that conceivably could turn into thirty, forty thousand dollars by the time you retire, and that thirty thousand dollars would be completely tax free from taxation. It had no required minimum distributions. That's a no brainer to me, but I couldn't get her to to, to go against that because Dave told her otherwise. Right. But I, I really think Dave, if he knew her situation and knew the trajectory of her income, he'd have known. Look, this is a unique person. This is this is probably a person that's quickly headed towards being a top 5% income earner, and then maybe a few years down the road being one of the one percenters. And they're going to have plenty of time, and they'll get this debt under control just naturally. Because I was not telling her to quit paying down debt. I was just saying, make sure you're also doing the Roth with this excess income you have as well. And she wasn't willing to go the other way. So that's why I tell you, sometimes you do contradict even the guys who are specialists in their, in their, in their category. But I know a lot of you, when you hear that 15 to 20%, you're thinking, Brian, I can't afford that. Um, you know, what if I can't save enough? And, and I, I'm going to tell you, I understand that. We've all been there. We've all started out where you, you know, saving is one of those things. I just want to get you started on the path. And once I get you on the path, I think you'll get addicted to it. And what I'm hopeful for is that every time you get a pay raise, Maybe you take half of that pay raise and put it towards your savings. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you get a three percent or a five percent pay raise at work, maybe you save an additional one and a half to 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 two percent to three percent towards the future. And before you know it, maybe three four years down the road, you are saving fifteen percent of your money. And if it makes you feel better, I like to calculate that fifteen to twenty percent personally without my employer match. But I will tell you, the calculation does allow you to include your employer match. Like we did a 401k presentation recently where the employees had to put in 5%. The employer put in, you know, a a 3% match that went up to four if that, you know, it was 3% dollar for dollar and then went up to another percent from contribution. But then they did a 6% profit sharing. So people who are working for this employer, if they put in five, they got 15. It's crazy. I mean, you might be in one of those type of situations where you just need to show up and save 5 to 10% and your employer's going to do the rest of you, do the rest of it for you, and you're going to be in a great place. So hopefully, do, Bo, do you think we addressed the yeah. question? You know, I think if I, if I was going to summarize, one thing you want to understand is your career trajectory. Are there going to be opportunities available to you now that might not be available in the future? Uh, some of those opportunities might include the ability to contribute to a Roth IRA, um, or if you're in a l- very low interest rate environment, when you get whatever loan it is, whether it's an auto loan, home loan, et cetera. I think, I think by and large, if you want to look at sort of the mathematical perspective on it, you want to determine, is the carry cost of the debt something that's reasonable or is it something that would be hard to earn on that money elsewhere? Yeah. So if you have debt around 10, 11, 12%, you probably want to try to knock that out as quickly as possible. If you have debt around 1% or 2%, Odds are, I mean, just looking at historical standards, you're probably going to do a little bit better putting that money somewhere else. 
Yeah, and that's why I say once you you know you do get to a point if you're saving fifteen to twenty percent for retirement and your cash reserves are in good place in a good place already, I, I will tell you I have paid down on those car loans that are at one point nine percent. I've paid them off early because I did get to a point. I know there's the, there there is something very inherently good about being debt free. Well, the cars always drive better when they're paid for. Exactly. So that's why I tell you I don't get in a hurry, but. Because you have other goals, but once all those other goals get funded, you know, for saving for retirement, saving for kids' college, and you still have excess money, tackle the debt. That's really because I don't consider anybody completely financially independent unless you have no debt. But that doesn't mean I'm one of these people that tries to be out of debt completely considering a mortgage because I don't think a mortgage is necessarily a bad debt. But I do think it's one of those debts that I want you to have under control when, and, and gone when you're officially retired and no longer working. Um, so let's jump into 10 things Americans waste money on. Like I said, this allows us to, to really catch two things with one reference because um, budgets are sexy. Jay Money was at FinCon and these guys, you know, you could tell I even liked his writing style. I went and, you know, that's funny. I came back from FinCon. I started checking out some of these bloggers and I'm realizing there's some talented, talented writers out there when you're looking at the, these, these bloggers. But Jay Money used these 10 things that Americans waste money on that he got from Dave Ramsey. But I want to read because this really, I thought this was good. It made me feel good about our legacy of what we've been doing since 2006. But it says this, it said, the average life of a personal finance blog is pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Most bloggers can make it past the first two months without burning out, giving up, but many will stop way before they hit their first anniversary. Then you have the hustlers that make it to two and three and even four years, putting them in the top 5% of all bloggers. And anyone who makes it past five is just a total bad A when it comes down to it. And you put in parentheses, ah, thank you. But then he says, after the, and I'm you know taking out a you know a little colorful language, but after the bad A's, there's just one last level. That's the granddaddyhood. These are the bloggers who have been sharing their thoughts for almost a decade on money and who really pioneered our little sliver of the online world here. Those like J.D. from Get Rich Slowly. Yep. Oh, you got to hang out with J.D. Um, Trent Ham from Simple The Simple Dollar. Flexo and um, Luke from Com- Consumerism Commentary. And one of my all-time favorites, which is FMF from Free Money Finance, which brings me to the point of today's history lesson. FMF is retiring from blogging after nine-plus solid years, a day that eventually comes for all of us, but one you still hate to see when they've been in your life for literally a decade. And while FMF is in the small minority of those blogs who's leaving, who did not sell out for millions of dollars, he actually, by the way, I have only recently found out that these guys are selling their blogs for millions of dollars. We've met some of these guys that we found out after reading some of Jay Money's um, post. I mean, some of these guys have sold their stuff for three and four million dollars. Crazy! Holy cow! I'm doing this is for fun, and these guys are making millions out, out of this stuff. But we'll keep on. I'll, I don't want to digress. Um, he's still helped hundreds of thousands of people over his time online, and he'll be surely missed. So, an attempt to help him carry on his words today. I thought we'd riff on one of his last posts, which was the 10 things Americans waste money on, which he actually took from Dave Ramsey. It looks like, and now Jay Money will be stealing too. We call it benchmarking Jay Money. We don't steal. We benchmark good advice. We're all a happy, incestuous family online. What can I say? So here's the 10 things, 
and we're going to give you some our thoughts as well as uh, if we think J Money added some color to it, we'll we'll jump in on that too. Credit card interest. I, I have to agree. I mean, we've all had it in our life at some point, but credit card interest is just horrible. I mean, it is because it's usually double digits, and it's you know I've talked to you guys about Lending Club before. I've told y'all the biggest borrower people who use Lending Club. Are the biggest, the largest amount of loans that are on Lending Club come directly from people refinancing their debt from the credit card companies. So this is obviously a big problem. So we won't spend a ton of time on it, but just try to create a plan, whether it's the snowball effect or whatever, to get your credit card debt in, in, under control. Here's one that hits me hard: deal websites. Oh my God, guys! I don't have a problem with deal websites, but in my household, we have had so many. We'll just call them dust-ups over this thing called Zulily, Jane. I'm trying to think of some of these other completely tchotchke-filled websites that my wife insists on going on. And she brags about the 75% off that she got because most of the things on these sites are like $9.99, $19.99, or even $29.99. But, guys, when you see how many of these things fill up, I think it's ridiculous. And that's what here's what Jay Money said on it. It says, I'm reminded of my friend... Frugal Woods likes to say about this stuff, nothing's going to save you as much money as simply not buying anything at all. I like that. It's, it's one thing to shop for stuff on sale that you were already going to buy anyways, but who honestly stops there and never pulls the trigger on other things that now all of a sudden they need and want to? I gave up on these sites two years after Groupon first came out um, as I could no longer trust myself to responsibly participate anymore, and my wallet's loved me ever since. Great point. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm gonna let Jay talk to to my wife, see if he has more success. Maybe I could he could pull that Dave Ramsey magic and hit some trigger words or something that will reprogram the way she looks at these these deal sites. Yeah, I might not hold my breath crazy. on that one. Does, do you have that problem with your wife? Oh, my wife went and bought. She went to go look at a pair of shoes yesterday, and she came home with three different pairs of shoes. So you know that's just kind of whatever. But she got them on sale, so it's practically like we made money. Every pair was on sale. Does she so. sell it to you that she's going to go keep one, or is she keeping all three? Oh, no, there were three different kinds of shoes. So one was like some boots, <laughs> and one were some booties, and one were some flats. Well, you are out of town. That is true. I mean, when I'm out of, you know. Coping. When you're not yeah, around, you know. A little re- do what you retail do. therapy, I guess. Number three on this list of ten things that people are apparently wasting money on. Appetizers. It says, appetizers are so good, sometimes more than the actual meals. But I get that it does add a hefty amount to the total in the end. So I typically, maybe 90% of the time, avoid them as well. The other 10% is usually due to ordering appetizers instead of a main course. Went to a restaurant last night. That's exactly what my wife did. She ordered the appetizer instead of the meal, and then we didn't do an appetizer. Um, The only exception, I think, is like chilies. The dollar ninety nine chips and salsa. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Me and you are such tightwads. <laughs> we we always like to go with like bottomless appetizers and feel like oh we're getting our money's worth now. Or, or just go to a Mexican restaurant. I mean, we have those. I could probably throw a rock at three Mexican restaurants, you know, right here around the office, and every one of them has multiple salsa, salsas that you can jump into for free. So um, I have noticed some of them by by way. If they say they have notices on there that say if you don't order anything, they do have a salsa charge, huh. um, and that must be for the college kids, right? Of course, because I know I took advantage of that a lot at college. But um, I'll move on. ATM fees. <laughs> I liked how 
By the way, I don't think this is Jay, this is not Dave Ramsey who's writing this stuff. This is definitely Jay Money. Because listen to this. I thought this was funny because Jay Money is definitely honest with his listeners or his readers, I should say. He says, do people still pay these? I've been out of the loop since sticking to a USAA over a decade ago that I honestly couldn't even tell you what these nasty ATMs charge anymore. USAA reimburses you for all of it automatically, so I haven't paid an ATM fee since I was a teenager. Now, great point, Jay Money, and the fact that, um, you know, I know Schwab, I believe Fidelity, yep. a lot of these, you know, and USAA is a quality, quality provider too. A lot of these guys will provide you complete reimbursement if you're using out-of-network ATMs. But here's the part where I thought he was really honest, and he goes, believe me, I've even tested it in less than savory places, too, where taking out cash in ones, he wrote in parentheses, cost a heavy premium at certain locales, if you know what I'm saying, with this wink and a smiley face. Dollar slot machines. Of course. That's what I was thinking. That's what I thought. Okay, moving on. Overdraft fees. He goes, these are the worst. Not only do you get charged for not managing your money well in cases, but it also usually means you're out of money, too. So it's a double whammy right upside your wallet. That doesn't mean I haven't had my fair share of mess ups too. And, and truthfully to the, to the audience, I'll tell you, I average one of these probably every 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And it's not because I'm broke. It's just because I run, run such a, a lean ship in my checking account with the big national bank because I do one of those strategies where I use a big national bank because it's very easy for me to, to link all my different accounts. And I've shared with you guys on past shows, I have probably 10 different accounts because of all the businesses, 401k accounts, payroll accounts. I have to go, instead of using some of the smaller banks, it's easier for me to work with the national bank just because of some of the transfers and other things I do. But I run, I hate how these national banks don't really appreciate me. So my interest rates in these accounts is nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I th- I'm on, on it. I'm in. I don't want to say it because then you'll know who I bank with, but I'm in supposedly their, their premier program where I earn interest on my checking account. I think it's like 0.05%. Remember, Ooh. remember when you talk about percents, they have to move the decimal over two places. So, I mean, this is practically fractions of a penny. It, it, it's ridiculous. So, I, I mean, you can have lots of money running through an account and still not even get a 1099 at the end of the year because they don't pay you anything. So what I try to do is my money, I try to transfer out to the, the, internet banking sites that are going to pay me something. And I'm human like everybody else. I cut it too lean sometimes, you know, and, and I get caught. But it's, it's, it's exactly right. When I get overdraft fees, you know how you fix that? You make a little phone call. You make a phone call or go drop by the bank branch. They'll usually waive the fees, no problem, as long as you haven't made a hobby of it. Now, I've realized that 18 to 24 months must be seldom enough and I run enough money through the accounts that they'll actually waive those fees and give me back the, the 25 or 10 bucks, whatever it is. So that's something to, to go ask that question. See if you can get those, those reimbursed. Speedy shipping. I like, cause Jay Money covered all bases here. Cause listen to this. Cause I was, I, when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. I kind of dig Amazon Prime, but listen to this. He says, I don't really have a problem with this if you rock one of those Amazon like deals and do most of your shopping there. Through the year, well worth the convenient surcharge, in my opinion. But for one-offs, I'd never see the point. Unless you're ordering medicine or waiting till the last second to go Christmas shopping, I really don't think waiting a few extra days is going to kill you. But hey, if you had the money and want the niceties in life, why not? But Amazon Prime, it's the bee's knees. I mean, it really is. I, I love it. I even, you know, I've shared with you guys the strategy because I know they're raising the pricing 
of Amazon Prime that there was a backdoor way to lock in your prices through gift, giving yourself a gift certificate and buying it the day before they raised the price. Really some, some nerdy stuff that you could do, but, um, I did it to lock it in because I love me some Amazon Prime. Plus, their their movie selections have gotten incredible. TV and movie selections, I can't believe you get that also for free. So it's it's really a great alternative to to if you just need access to electronic media. Electronic media. Um, this next one, I thought this one was good. Number seven, designer baby clothes. Huh. Bo, you don't have kids I yet. Don't, I don't know a lot about this one. Well, he nails it in all different areas. He goes, ha, huh, are they vomit? Poop or spill proof? And are they going to grow every two weeks just like your baby? If so, sign me up. That's miracle clothing, right? It's true because I never understood it. And you see it all the time. And, and this is one of the things I, I'm so blessed. My wife, I pick on her about these deal sites. But I really do have a good wife for a tightwad because she never did this with the clothing. Um, she was really good. The only designer expensive clothing we had were, were hand-me-downs that somebody else gave us. And because we we didn't buy this type of stuff, you know, Carter's was good enough for us because we lived near a Tanger Outlet Mall, so Carter's stuff or hand me downs worked perfectly fine. And our kids um, always got lots of compliments. But I think Jay Money nailed that as well as Dave Ramsey. Um, unused gym memberships. He goes, isn't unused anything a waste of money? This reminds me of an article I just read through on how out of all the things you can sink your money into, gym memberships aren't the worst. Bo, you're probably smiling a little bit. I am smiling inside. just Because touch. at least you're trying and force yourself to go since you're already spent. And i got to flip the page um, to spend the money on it versus, say, other things you've purchased and never use. So I kind of agree. I think a gym membership, I know for a tightwad like me, I'll go through a patch. Like I just went through a month period where I really didn't use my gym membership like I should have. But if I didn't have that monthly fee... I probably would just give up on it, but I'm, I'm back on the horse. I went yeah. started going back to the gym this week and hopefully building that habit back up because it's easy to fall out of that stuff. But if you're not going to use it, probably gym memberships aren't great. At least go see if there's a why in your neck of the woods. Yeah. There's, there's always good alternatives that are cheaper than probably some of the high dollar prices that you can work out as well. Premium cable packages. Jay Money said, mm, let's just move along here. So obviously, and I know there was an article, I started reading it on that, but I will tell you, I'm not one of these people who can cut the cord completely because I like college sports too much. You know, that's, that seems to have been the problem on, you know, but you can, over-the-air antenna, as well as what I talked about with Amazon Prime, those type of things can keep it where you don't really need, I don't think you need premium channels anymore because if you have Amazon or Netflix their monthly expenses are reasonable enough that it just doesn't make it worthwhile if you like watching movies to to go do the premium channel. So I think you can save that. Daily coffee trips. He picks on himself because, let's face it, um, Jay Money is a blogger who does a lot of his writing in coffee shops, and he has a good reason for it. He says, you know, when you work from home and you're self-employed, you got to get out of the house to, to not lose your sanity. So he goes to coffee shops is his thing. And um, I kind of agree with him, but I, I do think that, Coffee is one of those things. I'm not a big coffee drinker, though, right. Bo. So you, you drink coffee on a daily basis. So what's your thoughts on coffee? Yeah, I mean, we do the, uh, you know, we do the Keurig with the K cups, and then even so, even getting even cheaper than that, we'll go buy the actual bags of coffee and the refillable K cups. Uh, so that way, whenever we do go get gourmet coffee, whether it be at like Octane or Starbucks or whatever, uh, it's more of a treat. It's not like an everyday occurrence because those things are like three and a half, four and a half bucks. 
Whereas I think I figured out the the true cost of my refillable K cup is something like nine cents. Wow. So you know it's pretty pretty cheap when you do it that now, way. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. I buy K cups for the office. No. Added employee benefit here, right? Well, why are you sharing this with me? Why are we why why are we even buying K cups? No, so, so we, we do. So the K cup is like seventeen cents, right? right? If you get the refillable K cups, it gets down to like ten, nine, ten cents, depending on which coffee you I, go. I'm to. just kidding. I, when we have prospects, because we still have prospects coming to the office, I don't. Can you imagine if I said, "Hang on." Break out of the coffee grounds. We, we got we got to use our gizmo here so you can have a K cup, but we've got to pack it for you. I mean, it would we'd essentially turn Carol in the office here into a barista or whatever, you know. So, so probably. I mean, I'm picking on you. I think you know. I understand. I appreciate that you are packing your own K cups to get them down to nine cents because you are, and I just said that for my own benefit. But we're, we're going to still probably do K cups just for so people on the outside. Don't know how much of a tightwad we completely are. Love it. But um, here's the point of this piece, just kind of closing it out here. I will tell you guys, and I've said it before, I love lists like this, the 10 things you shouldn't spend your money on. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you something that I think that it took me a while to learn. If you can pay yourself first, like I talked about at the beginning of the show with the 10 to 15 and getting it up to hopefully 20%, and even I've gone beyond that with my own personal savings, and then you, as long as you're giving to the charities and the organizations you want to, and then you're saving enough for yourself, if you've done those things and you know you're on solid financial ground, budgeting is almost like a good golf swing or riding a bicycle. And the fact that I can tell you personally, I don't do a lot of individual budgeting anymore. Because if you're paying yourself first and you're, and you're doing all the things and checking all the boxes for the future, at the end of the day, you don't have to do some of these other other steps because it just it, it doesn't matter. But if you're not doing all those things, these tools are incredible on getting you on the path to success. And, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Just like I talked about the golf swing. I talked about riding the bike. That stuff, you don't just walk out and do that stuff. You have to practice. You have to get better at it. And that's why shows like this where we talk about the 10 things people um, need to save money on or how to prioritize paying down debt or saving for the future. A lot of you, you don't know that stuff naturally. So hopefully we can be a resource. You can do it. But then after, you know, five years, seven years from now, your, your income goes up. You're already fulfilling a lot of your, your financial goals. You go remember we've had this conversation. You know, Brian's right. You know, it is true. If I'm, if I'm covering all my bases, this seems like it's gotten a lot easier for me. And that's what I can tell you a lifelong, of being a tightwad is that your tightwaddedness, if that's even a word, evolves. Yep. And we're going to do some shows in the future. We've talked about that where we're going to bring in um, three sets of financial advisors. I'm going to have Bo here. I'm going to have myself. And then I think we're even going to bring in a guy who runs um, XY Planning Network. And he's going to, we're going to talk about how some of these things change with the way you manage money as you get older, as well as just maybe how you look at life and nibbling around the edges of saving money for the future. So, so make sure you come back in a few weeks as we have some of these upcoming shows. And I want to thank you guys again for all the support you've given us going out there doing the iTunes reviews. You can go check us out at money-guy.com. You can write the show directly. I am Brian. So I'm B-R-I-A-N at money-guy.com. Or you can write Mr. Bo Hansen. B-O at money-guy.com. And once again, I want to just give a shout out to say thank you to Jay Money for letting us use his research and commentary 
on the Dave Ramsey piece that he was benchmarking. Notice I use the word benchmarking. And I also want to thank our listener out there in the Pacific Northwest as he's chopping that firewood, which gives me a great warm visual to think about as we're closing the show and as the weather's about to start getting a little colder across the country. So, guys, thanks for being incredible listeners as well as people who are part of the, the Money Guy family and the Tightwad Nation. And we'll talk to you in about two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.